Hi there and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager, and I'm really pleased today to welcome along Dr. Alex Orbach for today's episode. Alex is the Director of Wellness and Development for the Toronto Raptors. He joined the Raptors after serving as the Director of Clinical and Sports Psychology for the University of Arizona. Alex has worked with NCAA Division I schools in the Pac-12, ACC, Big 12 and Conference USA, where his work has included serving as the performance consultant for a bowl-winning football team, ACC championship team, and student-athletes who have continued in professional sport and or the Olympic Games. Alex has worked for seven years providing clinical care, crisis intervention, and performance consultation for professional, collegiate, and Olympic athletes, as well as coaching, medical, and sports administration staff. Let's get into the episode. Alex, you've had a fascinating journey through sports teams and college. You spent some time at the the Rams um, with the Chief, the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL, Arizona, Rhode Island, and North Texas in the college system. And now, for the last two and a bit years, you've been with the Toronto Raptors in the NBA. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey in sport, the different roles you've held, and and what your passions are that have um, taken you to all these different places? Definitely. So. You know, my career in sport started way back in high school, and I was really interested in becoming a college football coach. That was kind of my dream was to to spend my my time coaching in, in that space. And so I actually ended up picking where I was going to go to university based on what school would allow me to work with their football program and ended up having the opportunity to go to Arizona and work a little bit with recruiting and some offense and some defense. And then Um, While I was still an undergrad, I did an internship with the then St. Louis Rams that are now the LA Rams. And it was kind of my first taste of professional sports over a summer internship doing um, primarily kind of operational stuff, um, but had the opportunity to at least be exposed to some coaches and um, get a sense of what that lifestyle looked like as I kind of continued on my, my path forward. And then graduated, took a coaching job at University of Rhode Island. Um, And it was really there that I was fully immersed in coaching for the first time. And I found myself trying to figure out like what part of this experience most resonates for me. You know, I struggled with um, some aspects of the the coaching experience just didn't seem like they were quite the right fit for me and how I'd want to, you know, commit my time. But I always found myself gravitating toward the relationships and the relational issues that sort of emerge in sport, right? Team issues, team dynamics issues, um, helping individual players. And, and ultimately that's what it was all about for me in coaching anyway was, you know, how do I make the, the most impact on the most people and ended up kind of going through a, a period of soul searching, essentially trying to figure out kind of what was the, the best next step. I knew I love sports. I know I love the fast pace of the environment. I know I like working with, dynamic, competitive people. And it was really about finding kind of my lane and where I could contribute there. And so ended up kind of finding sports psychology as a potential pathway and ended up going and getting my doctorate in counseling psychology with a special emphasis in sport and performance psychology, uh, where I worked with North Texas football and and helped get 
um, the first kind of, I was the first embedded performance consultant they had and then did some work um, at University of North Carolina on my residency with some student athletes and then took over the mental health and mental performance services at Arizona, was there for a couple of years and then came to the Raptors. And so it's been sort of a winding journey um, to end up here, but it's been, I think, mostly pursuing um, both my own personal growth and figuring out, you know, what sort of makes me tick and how I can make the biggest impact and uh, how to help as many people as possible and, and sort of finding the most dynamic competitive environments I can work in and, and continuing to surround myself with some really talented, brilliant people. So I'm very fortunate to be where I am um, now working, working with this organization. Did you, did you um, play basketball as a kid, Alex? As a really little kid, yeah, um, I, I really didn't have a ton of exposure to basketball um, until my undergrad experience at Arizona. I mean, obviously, that's a high level college basketball program. Um, and though I was working with football, you know, all of our athletics facilities at that point were all in one location. And so there was some interaction with basketball staff and basketball players. And, um, you know, it's really a totally different culture, I think, than, than football. And then um, after working in North Carolina, I had the chance to at least again be exposed to some really high level basketball. And then of course, when I went back to Arizona. And so I would say my exposure to basketball prior to the Raptors was somewhat limited, um, but where I had been exposed had been to really kind of high level competitive basketball, which, which was awesome. So your role with the Raptors is, has got great title it's titled the director of wellness and development which has so many different areas i'm sure you you're never um struggling for uh work can you break that down a little bit for us and and using your experience of of moving through different sports and and different levels can you touch on some of the things that you think you do at a, at a really basic level would be transferable to um non-professional levels of the game Definitely. So kind of big picture in my role, I'm responsible for all things mental health, mental performance, and off court kind of personal development, character development, leadership development for our players. And it's really kind of bleeds into coaches and staff as well. Um, so the role is multidimensional and multifaceted. It means that sometimes I'm working with individuals or executives. It means that sometimes I'm working with groups or teams, and sometimes I'm you know, positioning interventions or services for the entire organization. Um, I work across the different areas that we have. So at times my work bleeds into things like PR, it bleeds into things like the draft and scouting. Um, and, and so it's really, kind of an opportunity to infuse psychological health, behavioral principles, sports psychology into these different areas of the organization um, to promote. Ultimately, it's about promoting a healthy and high performing environment for our players, coaches and staff to be the best that they can be. Um, and so I, I think there's actually a lot that's transferable that doesn't necessarily require a clinical degree, but it does require someone putting really deliberate, intentional emphasis on some of these things. So for example, uh, I think kind of a low hanging fruit in sports for, for coaches and athletes alike is, you know, how we think about, talk about rest and recovery. 
Um, and some places have really figured out how to optimize this and some places are still, uh, I think, operating with a bit of an old school mentality that, you know, like rest and recovery or for the week. Um, and you can sleep when you're dead, which was one of the things I, <laughs> I had heard when I was coaching. Um, and, and we now know like, you know, you need that sleep and that rest and recovery to function at your best day after day. And so simple things like prioritizing sleep, creating a schedule that allows for athletes to have ample time to rest and recover, I think is, is really important. Um, coaches can do things like set goals with their athletes, which is, you know, a really simple intervention that can help maintain some motivation. Um, and then I'd encourage everyone to really take a, a look at the culture they've created. I think um, I've been doing a lot of thinking and reading about culture recently. And I think um, to me, how I'm sort of boiling it down is like, it's just a, a collection of behaviors that signal what we value. Um, but people often, I think, feel that it's really like the vibe or the feel of the organization. And, and I think they're right. But um, my point with all that is just to say, if you think it's a collection of behaviors, then anyone can be observing behaviors that support or undermine the culture and the values you're working toward. And that, again, doesn't necessarily require some sort of clinical licensure um, to do that. And so for coaches, players, support staff, whoever it might be, really thinking about and talking about the type of environment you want to create, how that's going to facilitate health and high performance, and then looking for what are people doing that's promoting that health and high performance? And what are people doing that might be undermining health and high performance? Um, because I think culture is sort of hard won and easily lost. It's, it's really difficult to build a healthy, high performing, high functioning culture. And all it takes is one or two missteps to really send a bad message. And so those would be some things I would think about um, that people could integrate into their, their action steps right now. Um, you know, and then I think you can get down to like really simple kind of starter interventions, really like breathing, mindfulness, those sorts of things. I think there are apps available for that and YouTube videos and all sorts of stuff people could integrate into the work they're doing. Alex, you and um, your really close friends with um, our very first guest on this series of Building Better Basketball, Cody Royal, and you guys have got a fantastic series yourselves that you put out called unfair advantage which i personally love and, and really gets me thinking of a morning one of your most recent episodes was about um coachability and why um intellectual humility might be the um backbone of it all can you maybe give um the people listening to this podcast about the tease on that to obviously we all encourage them to go and get it but to, to <laughs> further encourage them to, to have a listen to that and also maybe just Talk about what makes you and Cody such a great combo with his um, more in-depth coaching background to your um, more uh, wellness and, and development focus. Sure. So I'll start with the, the recent article then, and then I'm happy to talk, talk about Cody and his excellence. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the genesis of the article was really about, you know, we hear this term a lot, coachability and, and, I think it's a place where we tend to either write players off or really value players who have this, this characteristic we call coachability. And as I started to sort of ask like colleagues and people I know, like, what, is, what does that really mean to you? Like, how are you understanding what coachability really is? No one actually had a great succinct answer, but people all had really interesting answers 
about the things that they looked for that told them whether or not an athlete was coachable. And so I started to kind of pull the different threads together and get a sense of, of what people sort of shared and overlapped with in their ideas. And the main thing that really jumped out to me was this idea of being willing to take feedback, um, take coaching, being open-minded, um, and, and really hearing what was said. And sort of the flip side of that was the idea that like some players just don't, they just don't listen or they don't care what the coach says. They kind of do their own thing. And so you're sort of guarding against that and looking for that open-mindedness and that willingness to take feedback and integrate it. And so then I, I sort of did some digging, like what, what concept from my space and psychology fits this idea of coachability as, as these coaches and experts are describing it. And what I landed on was intellectual humility. And really intellectual humility is at its simplest form. It's just the idea that you actually believe that you don't know everything and that other people have something to offer you. Um, and then the way, you know, the scientists operationalized it has looked a lot at things like correlates of intellectual humility, like growth mindset, um, you know, seeing opportunities to learn and improve, not as a threat to who you are or your quality as a person, but as a reflection of like the innate human quality to get better, um, thinking about things like, um, openness to new ideas, being willing to hold two separate or opposing ideas in mind at the same time, all these things sort of like circled the drain around intellectual humility, basically. And so um, I decided to just share what I had discovered in that process, um, because I do think if you have sort of a, a key term like that, that you can, can find and, and locate and think about a little bit more, you can also better understand and then explain to your players what it is you're really looking for, you know, so rather than writing a player off as not coachable, it might be easier to think about how you can go about facilitating the development of intellectual humility in your players. And the article talks a little bit about some of what you can do. It's things like um, giving more feedback about effort, finding ways to couch your feedback more effectively. Um, those sorts of things I think can go a long way because I, I don't personally believe that anyone is uncoachable. Um, but people do have varying degrees to which they feel strongly in their opinions, right? And that's just a, a normal human function. Um, and so our, our role as coaches and leaders is to really figure out how we can promote our athletes um, hearing us and thinking a little bit differently about the work that they do or the role that they play. So that's, I think, like a, a little bit of a high level teaser for the article. And then in terms of unfair advantage broadly. I mean, it's been an incredible project to embark on with Cody. He's um, really thoughtful, talented, has a ton of experience. And when we, you know, first started to talk about doing something together, it started with a real resonance in the ways that we think about coaches. Um, and really for both of us, I think there is this idea that coaches are high performers too. And Cody, I think, has taken an angle really around um, the coaching lifestyle, what pressure coaches feel, um, how to manage those pressures more effectively, how to fight burnout and engage in self-care. Um, and he's really got a strong voice from a coach's perspective on what the different challenges are and what it's like to be um, in the hot seat, so to speak, and, and what those pressures really are. And then my role in it has been to bring in some of that kind of wellness and psychology 
um, research, practical experience and flavor to figure out, okay, like if this is a real problem for coaches and coaches want to be healthier and high performing, how, how do we actually do that? And so I think the two of us make a good combo. We've kind of explored a bunch of different areas, but at its core, we're really after figuring out how we can help coaches and leaders broadly be the best version of themselves by engaging in some of these different behaviors that we know facilitate health and high performance. And, you know, we think about it a lot, like the way we think about players, right? So if you look at the players in the NBA, for example, all these guys have access to strength and conditioning, nutrition, sports psychologists, athletic training, high level coaching. But when you look at the coaches, you know, many of them are not engaging in some of those same behaviors we're suggesting the athletes need to do to be their best self. And, and why is that? And ultimately, you know, trying to kind of merge and bridge that gap is, is what we're after. Um, but I think we bring some unique backgrounds to it. I, I, if that hasn't got people um, immediately heading for uh, Google to, to type it in, Alex, um, I'm not sure why they're, they're even listening to us, to be honest, that I can't recommend it highly enough. And yet, uh, I think like you touched on the, the combination of, of both your um, high level of expertise and, and Cody's um, in different sports and also with, uh, with an Australian um, slant as well is really valuable to all our coaches. Um, that's one way they can improve themselves um, as a person um, working in sport. And you obviously talked a lot about the different research and, and things that, that you did there to, to kind of answer the question about um, coachability and, and stuff like that. What, how do you improve yourself um, constantly, Alex? Like what are some of the things you read or, or listen to? Is there, is there anything that you, you would recommend to the listeners? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess in general, for me, I try to read and learn and listen from both within my field and outside my field. So that, I just share that to kind of frame it. But I think like a wonderful podcast for health and high performance is the Huberman Lab podcast. Uh, it's very deep and can be really technical, but um, he covers a lot of really interesting dynamics in terms of training, brain function. Um, and so I think that gives a great perspective. The sports psychology podcast with Dan Abrams is really strong. Michael Gervais podcast, Finding Mastery is really strong. Those are probably the three I would spend, say I spend the most time kind of listening to. And then reading, um, there have been several really, really good books that have come out in the last like year or so or two years about psychology that I think are highly relevant to coaches and performers. Um, so off the top of my head, I, I would recommend um, Scott Barry Kaufman's book, Transcend. It's sort of a remake of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and um, puts a, a modern twist on it, I would say, and, and gets really in depth about kind of real human motivations and what drives behavior. Um, Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain by Lisa Feldman Barrett, I think is the most important psychology book I've read in the last 10 years, because um, it really flips a lot of what we knew about psychology, or I guess what we thought we knew about psychology and neuroscience on its head, and gives us a, a new model that's, um, I think, much more dynamic and accurate in terms of explaining how brains work, and um, has a lot of then sort of correlates to things like 
um, Gearshore Day's work in soccer in Europe uh, was translatable to basketball. It was like how often players scan the court, um, things like pattern recognition and pattern matching are all you know part of that. Um, Steve Magnus just wrote a book called Do Hard Things, which I think sort of fights against the culture of fake toughness that's that's emerged in sports. And I think he's got some really good dynamic ideas in there. Um, so those are some of the things I'd, I'd read and listen to. And then I try to stay up to date on the research in my area. Uh, admittedly, that's not my favorite reading, but it's something I, I push on. And really the way I, I kind of think about it is similar to the way I'm describing coaches. Like in my job, I'm working with some of the most elite performers in the world at what they do. And so my job is to be the best that I can be um, at what I'm doing. And that means things like taking care of myself. It means prioritizing my own sleep and exercise and all the things I'm advocating for, for coaches. And then, you know, my role really relies on a depth of knowledge around psychology and human behavior. And so um, I try to dedicate time to moving that forward every day, the same way our players dedicate time to moving themselves forward with practice and shooting every day. Um, and so in, in large part, I try to um, only preach what I practice and make sure that I'm, I'm also living that kind of healthy and high performing lifestyle, which does involve, you know, prioritizing training and learning the same way our players do. That's awesome, Alex. Um, I, I was uh, hurriedly writing them down. That I, I love the idea about a half lesson for the brain as well. I can't wait to uh, to find out what that half lesson is as well. <laughs> that, that made my brain think. Um, Alex, the final question, um, one that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, and um, it, it's throwing up some some really interesting answers um, so far as. If there was one question that you could ask a coach of any sport, whether they're alive or, or passed away, who would it be and what would the question be? I, I love this question. I am disappointed that I only have to pick one or I only get to pick one. Um, but if I could ask any coach from any sport, I would, I would ask Red Auerbach. Um, I would ask him, what he thinks made him so successful. The, the great red hour back of the Boston Celtics. Uh, wonder whether it was his cigar smoking that helped them. That's right. I know it was some talented players, but kind of like him and John Wooden, right? They, they both, there's something to be said for maximizing the talent you have. I think it's a lot harder than people think it is. And so to have someone like that do that consistently at a high level, I think is really interesting. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for your time. I know you're, you're really busy with summer league with the Toronto Raptors and um, as a passionate NBA fan down here in Australia, we're really enjoying watching our boys do really well in the summer league. And um, we're looking forward to, to the start of the season. And I'm sure some of our listeners will now keep a much closer eye on, on how the Raptors are doing as well. So thank you so much for your time and good luck for the, the rest of Summer League and the upcoming season. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.